podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football and basketball. So grab yourself a pumpkin brew or beverage of your choice. All the best smelling wildcats are here with Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Because I love you, Bonehead's baby. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving. Boom, the boys are back, and it is the Sunflower Showdown Whip Around. That's right, we got three great primers for you. First, you guys are going to hear from Mason Voth of K-State Online, part of the On3 Network. Then we're going to hear from two friends from the Kansas City Sports Network. First, we're going to have Ryan Reinhart, one of the founders and co-hosts of the Ain't No Seats podcast, a KU podcast, uh, to give you guys uh, a little vibe of what the thoughts are out in Lawrence, Kansas, going into this massive Sunflower Showdown. And then we're going to go to everybody's favorite, Jasmine Halliburton, who's going to talk a little bit about the uh, K-State women's basketball start to the season and how about those Volleycats as they're getting ready for the final two home games in the inaugural season in the Morgan Family Volleyball Arena. Sadly, had to get uh, all the audio before K-State takes on Iowa up in Iowa City. That happened uh, last night as you guys are listening to this. Hopefully they put on a good showing, put up a fight. Iowa is the number two team in the nation, and they're going to be a little salty because they took that L in Bramlage Coliseum last year. But it will be fun to see K-State women's basketball playing some of these high-profile games. They have Wisconsin in Bramlage on Sunday. I'm sure Jasmine touches on that. But if you get a chance, get out there and give them a watch. Before I talk a little bit about K-State basketball, because we had the live show, No Basketball Show, on Thursday, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, I mentioned this on the live show, but they made the announcement. It's coming in December. Make sure you're talking to your local liquor store right now. But Wabash Ale is coming to shelves. And why is that so special? It's in collaboration with Wildcat NIL. A portion of the proceeds are going to go to Wildcat NIL, working to support K-State athletics and keep or K-State athletes and keep K-State athletics competitive in this new changing world of NIL. It's going to be an easy drink in ale, so you can crush back a couple responsibly, of course. So be on the lookout for that coming here in the next month or so. And again, get ahead of the game. Talk to your local liquor store. Make sure they're bringing it in. And as always, every time you go to Manhattan, look. The men's basketball team is in 
the Bahamas. They have a game the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. You know I'm stopping in to get some Manhattan Brewing Company beer so I can take it to Thanksgiving to share with my family. So find me in there on Wednesday before Thanksgiving and get yourself some Manhattan Brewing Company beers, the best craft beer in the state of Kansas. All right, uh, look, I, I don't want to overreact again. I, I, I think that... Um, I, I think that we should all, K-State basketball fans, I think we should try our best to keep an even-keeled mind uh, through the entire non-conference. And we can start freaking out, going crazy, either A, when we beat a team that, hey, this is a massive upset. Quite frankly, I don't know if that team exists on the schedule. Uh, maybe, I mean, what? I think it'll be fun, you know, to go nuts if you beat Miami. But again, I mean, Villanova's beatable. So, uh, you know, if you want to overreact on the good, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, I, I would not overreact on the bad unless you're, you know, you're losing to Central Arkansas or drop a game versus, uh, you know, Oral Roberts. Um, but I, I, I think that that South Dakota game. Granted, I went, I went to the wrong one. I thought that South Dakota State game was awesome. Uh, and I was freaking out because Arthur Kaluma was not going to be playing in that game. And South Dakota State is a spicy team. They're a team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. I think that they're going to be a team uh, that might win a tournament game. I, I think that they are the real deal. Um, so we're going to see what happens. And, and they're going to be a fun ball club to follow uh, throughout this season. So I was very pleased with that. But we're, we're going to start with the Bellarmine game. Um, look, they're not good. Um, they're going to be one of the worst teams we play this year. Yes, they play a different style of offense. They pass the ball and they back court or back door cut us to death in that game. Um, but they won the second half by seven points. Um, we only won that game by eight. You know, the the odds makers had it at you know K State minus sixteen and a half, and. Uh, it wasn't even close to that. I, I think at times they played sloppy. Um, you didn't get a lot uh, scoring-wise from David Gasson. Uh, you're probably a little concerned, uh, a little frustrated with you know Arthur Kaluma going one of five from three. Um, but all in all, I, I think it really comes down to the defense being just poor. And we know it's going to take time for them to build up to it. I don't think the defense ever reached a height last year where we were uh, like banging our chest, you know, pumping our chest out, you know, bragging about the defense, but it, it got serviceable. Uh, it was not serviceable uh, versus Bellarmine. It, it, it was bad. It, it was bad. And I think it's fair to say that. Um, second game of the year, um, again, I'm not going to worry too much about it, but Matt Walters. On TV, when when Wyatt was asking, okay, let, let's go to Matt Walters for our defensive player of the game, and Matt was just like, none of them, none of them, they were all bad, and and I think that's true. Um, the the positives from that game again, focusing mainly on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I'm gonna start with Day Day Ames. So in that game, Day Day Ames was four of nine from the field, three of five from three, and he had 12 points. And I'm going to talk about R.J. Uh, uh, Jones's game uh, versus South Dakota State, but R- hell, R.J. had eight points versus Bellarmine. Um, with these two freshmen, 
I, I'm I'm coming away, and, and I'll just I'll just talk about them both right now. So really, day day, especially for that very hot five ten minutes versus Bellerman, and then RJ again played a very good game versus South Dakota State, and again a solid game versus Bellerman as well. I'm encouraged by these two guys and what they're able to do on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and I, I think I'm going to go as far as saying I think both of them are going to have games in Big 12 play where they are maybe not the player of the game, maybe not the focal player or like the focal of the offense, but I think both of these guys are going to have multiple uh, double-digit scoring nights in the Big 12. I think they both have the potential to maybe even have a surprise 20-point game um, in the Big 12. I think they are both capable of it, and, and I'm pleased to see how far along they are um, as true freshmen. Now, we saw what happened when they were going up against uh, one of the best backcourts in America versus USC. That was not very fun. Um, luckily, outside of a handful of games versus the best of the best in the Big 12, and you have a month, two months to... Yeah, about two months to build up before you see any of those type of teams. Um, they're going to get there. They're going to be able to grow. They're going to be able to get into the game. So I, I, I think coming away from those two games, you're pleased big time with those freshmen. I'm going to get to my biggest takeaway here in a second, but before we do, I want to give a shout-out to Charlie Hustle. Again, we're giving giving shout-outs to both the sponsors a little bit early here because we have the whip around. I'm not going to cut in and out in between all of them. We're just going to be able to hear our friends talk uh, once I'm done talking basketball. But Charlie Hustle has you set up for basketball season. Again, it's getting cold out. They have the crew necks. They have the hoodies. They have the joggers. They have the bomber jackets. Folks, if you want to be comfortable, if you want to be stylish, if you want to be repping officially licensed K-State apparel all fall and winter long, get over to Charlie Hustle today. Don't just shop for yourself. It's going to be Christmas before you know it. I bought like literally probably 70-80% to 80% of all the Christmas shopping that I, I needed to do this past week. And you know I got a Charlie Hustle t-shirt for every single member of my family. So get over to shop, or to charliehustle.com, find something that your loved ones would like, and then get yourself something too. Alright, um, my biggest positive takeaway is I, I think Cam Carter is that guy. Um, again, he was much better on defense versus South Dakota State. It legitimately looked like a possible first-team All-American in that game. But I think Cam Carter is going to be that guy. Um, I, 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 I was very down on Cam Carter at points last season. I was very down on Cam Carter uh, uh, last season and, and in the offseason. Um, when the whole uh, Joe Toussaint stuff was going on, I, I had, quite frankly, a little bit of a meltdown thinking uh, we just lost, you know, a starting caliber guard because I was so worried about uh, Cam Carter. If you look at some of the advanced analytics when it comes to offense, he was one of the worst offensive players in the Big 12 that were getting starter minutes. I think that's all in the rear view. Um, again, this is probably overreacting. You guys are probably saying, Scott, you said at the beginning of this, don't overreact. So this might be a little bit of an overreaction. But this guy is finishing at a higher clip at the rim. He's hitting shots at a at a much higher clip, and he's distributing the ball pretty well, pretty well as well. Um, if he can kind of, if he can hit that defensive ceiling that we all think he can, 
based on his aggressiveness, his athleticism, and uh, his basketball IQ. I mean, this guy is an all-Big 12, first-team all-Big 12 contender. And that dramatically raises the ceiling of this team, even when you have Arthur Kaluma kind of struggling and trying to find his way through this. Even if uh, you know Tyler Perry has an off-night shooting. Even if Tomlin doesn't come back, or when he does, it takes him a while to get going. Um, Cam Carter and what we've seen from him in the first three games uh, could be the difference between this team, you know, winning NCAA tournament games or bowing out in the first round or playing in the NIT. That is how good Cam Carter's playing. I also want to give credit to Tyler Perry because, again, I, I was I was harsh on him uh, coming out of the USC game. He really turned his shooting around in both of those games. So Tyler Perry from three uh, versus Bellarmine was four of nine. Uh, that's over 40%. Versus South Dakota, the entire team, the entire team was lights out versus South Dakota, 56% um, from three versus uh, South Dakota State. Tyler Perry, 6 of 8. So again, that was that level of sharpshooter. That was that level of uh, automatic from 3 that we are all hoping to see. And, and I really love seeing that. I also want to give a little bit of credit to Will McNair. Will McNair had a great game uh, versus South Dakota State. 10 uh, point, or at least uh, on the offensive end. 10 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Uh, Drell Colbert had 4 blocks. Shout out to him as well. So Will McNair was a pleasant surprise for South Dakota State. Um, transitioning into what's going to happen down in the Bahamas uh, Friday night. I think it is six thirty on CBS Sportsnet. Let me five o'clock. Excuse me, five o'clock on CBS Sportsnet uh, versus Providence. Providence three and zero. Spicy team. They put it on uh, Wisconsin. Uh, they beat Milwaukee by ten. They beat uh, Columbia by 19. Um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. Um, when you look at the box score, and again, I'm not going to pretend like I watched any of it. This is all box uh, score watching. Um, Kim English, of course, is the coach. Uh, Bryce Hopkins, a guy who originally was at KU, um, he had 16 points. Uh, Oduro 13 points, Pierre 13 points, and Carter 21 points. And then the rest of the team combined for nine points. So you really have your scoring, uh, you know, concentrated on those four guys, not seeing much at all from their bench. They shot 44% from three in that game. Um, they grabbed 33 rebounds. How many of those were on the offensive end? Only five on the offensive end. But again, this is a team uh, had 18 turnovers, so only 11 assists. So that, that's going to set things up to allow K-State to get a turnover and get out and run. Really what I'm going to be watching for for both these games, Providence and then whoever we play in the second game, first I want to win the games. I don't care if it is an ugly 51-49 to win for both of them. I don't care. Above all, win. But after that, you know, can Tyler Perry stay hot shooting? Uh, was it just kind of a one-game blip? Can he keep that going? Cam Car- Carter, can he assume that leadership role that Tang is begging someone to take? Uh, and, and then what are we going to see from Gassam? What are we going to see from McNair, the big guys? Are they going to play much two big man? It, it, are these games going to be one big man and, and truly four out? 
And then RJ and Day-Day, can they keep things going? Of course, Buddy Rich, he's going to throw down a couple dunks that are going to make it in a hype video. Um, but that's really what I'm going to be watching. Again, uh, it, it really is uh, a lot of weight on a handful of guys uh, with Tomlin not currently with the team. With uh, Quez Glover out until conference play, what's Kaluma going to do after sitting out the game for South Dakota State allegedly because of a knee injury? I think it might have been Tang saying, hey, we need you to buy in. It is what it is. Uh, so we're going to see what happens there. Um, but I, I would love for Kaluma to have a big trip down there. Uh, ultimately, I think this team is capable of winning both games. I think they have players. And again, uh, what we've seen from Cam Carter has you know, reignited uh, some of my optimism for this team. And I think that they can come away with the trophy down there. Um, Providence is going to be tough. If you beat them, Miami is going to be tough. Uh, you should handle Georgia if that's who you're playing. Um, but but you really hope you don't have to. So I'll be watching that first game again. I don't know what time the second game is going to be, Is it, how much of a conflict it's going to have with the uh, Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. Uh, but that's all we have. We're going to send it first. Again, we're going to send it first to our guy Mason Voth, then Ryan Reinhart, and then we're going to end with Jasmine Halliburton. Uh, you're not going to hear from me again. Uh, So I just want to say we love you guys. Go Cats. And shout out to my dog, Chauncey, the best dog in the world. It's Mason Voth from K-State Online, and I know what everybody's thinking. This guy always has a different employer whenever he does a primer for Bosco's boys. Uh, Yes, third different employer in three years. I think this one's going to stick around for a while, though. I think things are a lot more stable in this situation. I like where I'm at right now, too, so that's a big deal as well. And uh, we got a lot of fun things going on at KSO, mainly over on uh, the YouTube side of things. If uh, you want to meander over there, get plenty of K-State content. I mean, we've got stuff up there almost every day of the week. Uh, Tons of shows, quick things, and then also... Uh, any player coach videos that you need from K-State, you can get them all right there at K-State Online. It's the best thing I got going for me. Drew and D.Y. do all the heavy lifting when it comes to riding. I just do the easy stuff whenever they need a pinch hitter on that side. So it's an exciting time at K-State Online. I'm sure most of you are already over there. If you're not, I don't know what you're doing. You better go get signed up because at the very least, you're not going to just get K-State information. You're going to get to see the information and the messages that infuriate the KU contingent immediately. You don't have to wait until, you know, three hours has gone by and somebody's posted it on Twitter because they're a Jayhawk and they're upset about it. No, you can get it right when it comes out. So uh, that's another perk to to get over to K-State online. Things are going well right now for K-State. Even despite the loss to Texas a couple weeks ago, things feel like they're in a pretty good spot with the way K-State's rolling. I thought after the the Texas game that K-State's offense was probably going to be in position to be in the best spot that it's been all season long. I think we started to see signs of that against Baylor. I think it's going to get better. Will Howard is close, very close to playing at the 2022 Will Howard level. Uh, The run game that was bad against Texas, I don't think it's going to ever be that bad again this season. And now you're facing a team against KU that you should be able to have a little bit of success running the football. So I think the offense is in perfect harmony, probably for the first time all season. And then you look defensively, they're starting to make plays. Turnovers are being forced. That's a big deal. 
Things are going really well on that side of the ball. So I think K-State's in a good spot right now. They just have to make sure they don't lay another egg, throw up another stinker like they did in Stillwater over these last two games. Because as long as they do that, they're going to put themselves at 9-3, and three, have a chance to get another 10-win season as long as they can take care of business in the bowl game. Uh, probably not the Big 12 title thanks to the uh, bogus, dare I say, bullshit clarification that the Big 12 put out there today. Uh, I'm, I'm recording this on Wednesday for anybody that's curious, but makes no sense. Look, just own up to being wrong. It sucks for Oklahoma State because the rule in itself was probably fixed in the right way, but when you do it in the middle of the season, heck, not even the middle of the season, you're doing it with two weeks left in the season and changing it from what was publicly known to be the tiebreaker, it seems a little nefarious. It isn't right to Oklahoma and Kansas State. And that's just the way it is. So the Big 12, uh, they got a little egg on their face right now. And it's certainly uh, something that will upset the K-State contingent. And that's that's totally fair to them. Uh, the only negatives right now for K-State, they lost another linebacker for the season. Jake Clifton, we now know, is done. Kind of interesting. I think there was maybe some slight optimism uh, after the injury occurred in the game against Baylor that, okay, maybe it's not totally long-term and it's something that isn't as serious as it looked. He's done for the year, so K-State's banged up. No Jake Clifton, but they're going to have some reinforcements in the linebacker department because Rex Van Wyde, there's no fear of losing his red shirt now. He can play the rest of the season. I thought he did well in the snaps that he got against Baylor. You'll see more of him. He'll probably shift Austin Moore a little bit around to use more of Austin Romaine, Bo Palmer, all these guys. They're getting thin at linebacker, but they at least have guys that are able to step up and have continued to go ahead and make some plays. Now, the other thing defensively, K-State avoided losing this guy, and this is not injury-related, but Khalid Duke, uh, he took a punch from the Baylor uh, offensive lineman in the game on Saturday, and Khalid Duke said, okay, you got the first punch. I'm taking punches 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 and uh, trying to end your football life right here. And fortunately enough for Khalid Duke, there is not going to be any further uh, penalties for that. The Big 12 isn't going to suspend him or anything. And that was probably the only concern because Chris Kleiman didn't seem like he was overly worried about what took place there. He likes Khalid Duke, thinks he's a good guy, probably knows what was said, what was done to him. He's like, yep, okay, let's avoid doing that again, but we're not suspending you. You're good to go. So that's good news for K-State because they get to face the Kansas Jayhawks this weekend. And boy, uh, it has been a fun, fun life if you are like me, 25 years old or slightly older, because you really don't know what it's like to lose the KU all that much. Three of the four losses in my lifetime to KU have come with Ron Prince as the head coach. Those don't even really count, you know? It just doesn't count. Ron Prince was the coach. He sucked. Those losses do not count. That is a fact. And so that's always a good thing to think about when it comes to KU. And I will say this. This could be, uh, we know it's coming, but th- if KU wins this game or the ne- the first time that they win it finally and break this streak, it's going to be meltdown city for everybody else. Same for me. I've already been pre-melting down, explaining what my emotions might be like to uh, my non-K-State people that I'm close with. And, you know, they're like, hey, you're 25 years old, you have a kid, like maybe uh, the, a college football team shouldn't, like, dictate how the rest of your life feels for a little bit and I said yes you would be right but you have to understand the last time I had a deal with K-State losing to KU in football I was 10 years old so the only emotions that I have in my body that I know of of K-State losing to KU in football 
those are 10-year-old emotions. That is going to be a very nasty scene to see people you know, watching me as a 25-year-old man having to deal with the repercussions of a loss to KU as a 10-year-old. So I would implore Chris Kleiman and K-State to avoid me and many others out there having to do that. Uh, in all honesty, like this KU team is better than what we've seen in a long time in this rivalry. Lance Leipold knows what he's doing. He is a fantastic football coach. There is no doubt about that. And that's going to make it challenging for K-State. He also has a great offense coordinator and Andy Kotelnicki who makes their offense work no matter who's at quarterback. And that's the big question. Obviously, Jalen Daniels seems like he's a no-go. He hasn't even been mentioned this week, despite the fact that he's still listed as an or as a starter on the death chart. But Jason Bean, there's questions about if he's going to be able to go or not. Even if he can't and they roll out the the freshman walk-on Cole Ballard, KU's offense is talented and worked out enough to where they can have success no matter who is back there. Now, it certainly becomes easier if it's Ballard. It's an inexperienced guy with theoretically less talent than Daniels or Bean, but KU's really smart at how they operate their offense. That is the most concerning aspect of KU. The other thing that is a big, big deal for K-State in this game, and um, you know, go go to K-State online and check this out. But the question of the week that I wrote about for K-State is, who wins the turnover battle in this game with KU? It's not just about the plus minuses at the end of the day. You know, if K-State wins the turnover battle and they force two and KU forces one, that's not necessarily them winning it because KU leads the country in defensive touchdowns this season. They have four of them. In the games that they took place in, they got two of them against BYU, a game that they won by two scores. They got one of them against Oklahoma, a game that they won by a score, and it was a pick six to have the first score of the game. So you got immediate momentum with the crowd and yourselves, and that's big. And then same type of deal two weeks ago at Iowa State. KU got a pick six in that game that they ended up winning by seven points. So KU has made big plays and made teams pay in certain situations, and that's the biggest deal for K-State here. They, they have done a better job of taking care of the ball since the disaster in Stillwater. Their defense has also started to make plays in big turnovers. K-State has to absolutely win the turnover battle, not just in terms of total takeaways, but they have to do it in taking care of the ball and not having the meltdown turnover that teams have had that have caused them to lose to Kansas this year. And they also have to be able to force some big turnovers when the opportunity is there. So honestly, that is the biggest thing to me in this game for K-State. Play clean and force enough big mistakes by the KU offense to set yourself up for some easy scores because that's what the history of this rivalry over the last almost 15 years has been now for K-State is you go through and look at box scores. Yeah, those K-State teams were better. They were probably going to win that game anyways, but it has been KU mistakes that have gifted K-State easy points in this rivalry. And even last year's game, where it was a much improved KU team, the same thing still happened. KU came out, started that game by forcing K-State to punt the football. But then Ty Zentner, beautiful punt, rainy night, a muff punt, put K-State inside the KU 10. Malik Knowles, immediate score. And from that point forward, it set the tone for the game. It was just another benchmark for the K-State special teams and defense to force an air of KU uh, where they, they were kind of offering it up and just giving it freely. So that's what I think is most important for K-State uh, in, in this game in terms of watching for what KU might gift you and taking advantage of it. Uh, now, the one thing that I, I do think will be important for K-State in this game, individually speaking, is how they're able to use um, some of their their weapons on offense in this game. I think 
over the last couple of weeks, it's been nice to see an uptick in performance from a lot of guys. But now, like, who is the go-to guy in this game? And honestly, at the end of the day, I think this game is going to fall on the shoulders of, of DJ Giddens. If, KU can have, if K-State can have success running the ball against KU, DJ Giddens will be a big part of it. I've seen enough of KU this year. I even saw them in a win that they were pretty dominant in against Illinois until late, like saw them in person. And even with the struggles that Illinois had in that game, there were there was room to gash the KU defense. They they are improved up front, but they still have serious holes, and you can run on this KU team. And I think it's going to come down to, to DJ Giddens establishing that. I also think the usage of Treshawn Ward, obviously big. And then pick your spots with Avery Johnson. I think that is significant. Defensively for K-State, Look, especially if it's Cole Ballard, it's all about what the guys up front do. Defensive line and linebackers have to be good in this game and make sure that you're stopping Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw immediately. The two running backs for Kansas, it is a great duo that they have back there. K-State really struggled against Texas in their run game uh, in, in getting stops. They got that initial contact, but they can never get Jonathan Brooks down immediately. He always got three, four, five, six more yards, and I think he averaged close to six or seven yards a carry in that game. You can't let that happen against KU, especially when there's a good chance that if Jason Bean's out, they have to be pretty one-dimensional in their focus with the run game. So that is the most important thing for K-State defensively. That's where you need guys up front like Uso Sayamalo, Javon Banks to step up at that nose guard spot, and then the linebackers are going to get tested. How, how often can those guys either come up and help with the run and make plays or not let it get too far past where they're positioned and give the Jayhawks those big plays and busting into the K-State secondary with the run game? I think that's really important. Uh, as for my prediction for the game, it's so hard to tell just because of not knowing who's going to play quarterback for KU right now because I do think that the difference between Bean and Ballard, although this offense could still do something with both, it is going to be drastically different. Bean has, at this point in time, legitimate skills that can beat you if you're K-State. Ballard certainly doesn't seem to be there yet. So I'm going to hedge my bet. I, I'm going to go 37-24. I think that's a number K-State can achieve if Jason Bean is still in there, look, this is certainly no cakewalk for K-State. This is going to be the best road crowd environment that K-State has experienced in Lawrence for who knows how long, probably since I guess 2008 is when they would have been there uh, last with a big crowd like this. I think that's what you're going to have to deal with under the lights, all that. But I still think that this K-State team, the way they're playing right now, the way they project, considering everything that's going against KU heading into this game, this is still a game that K-State should win by two scores. Uh, and I think that they can do it. So 37-24. I think my only prediction in this game is going to be uh, that we get... Uh, we'll, we'll say that both DJ Gins and Treshawn Ward go over 80 yards rushing in the game. One of them might even go over 100. I'd also throw in there that I bet we see an Avery Johnson touchdown in the game. You're, you're going to want to try and use him because KU is susceptible to the run. He's got the ability. Plus, he's a Kansas kid. Twist the knife a little bit. Showcase just how many Kansas guys you have that can contribute to you and how much more stacked your roster is with guys from the Sunflower State. So uh, those are my predictions for the game with the Jayhawks. And uh, like I said, Cats, I hope I'm not having to act like a 10-year-old after the game. That's my only pitch to you. So that will do it for me. I'm Mason Voth, and uh, I'm glad that I got to come back here on Bosco's Boys. This is about the time last year where I started going on a heater for Bosco's. I do think I lost the Sugar Bowl for everybody, but 
Uh, that's not on me. That is that's on that's on Chris Kleiman going too hard for the win, like he's done a couple times this year. Wink, wink. Uh, but if you like anything that I said or you don't, and you want to call me out on it, go subscribe to the KSO YouTube page or go get signed up over at K State Online, and uh, let's go from there. Have a lot of fun. Hopefully, there's a lot of purple in Lawrence. Look forward to it because I think uh, my boss might need some protection when we roll into town on Saturday. What's going on, everyone? My name is Ryan, and I'm a co-host of the Ain't No Seats podcast on Kansas City Sports Network. Uh, excited to be back doing another primer uh, for Scott. I think the last time I did this was 2020 en route to an 0-9 season under Les Miles. So vibes are certainly better. The program is clearly in a completely different spot than they were in 2020, actually in a phenomenal spot you would have never I would have never thought uh Kansas football would be where they are at right now here in 2023 now with that said as we head into the KUK state game I would have never thought the vibes would be where they're at and what I mean is vibes are pretty negative KU fans are not feeling great about our chances of winning this weekend. And and that's a mixture of a couple of things. Mainly um, it's obviously that Jason Bean went down against Texas tech. Uh, Cole, ba- Cole Ballard, our third string freshman quarterback seems to be uh, the guy that'll likely start on Saturday against Kansas state. Now there's been, there's been a couple things come out this week. We'll, we'll touch on that here in a second, but um just wanted to talk about the overall vibes for this game and and how Kansas is feeling. And obviously you take away the injuries losing to Texas tech's just a bad, bad loss. And the way you lose was as, as devastating as it gets. You come all the way back from 13. Oh, you tie it with under a minute left. And then you just give up um, a field goal late just due to poor defense and really, um, shouldn't even have been there. Some pretty questionable game management decisions from our staff, but uh, we won't get into that. So vibes are low. I mean, you lose that tech game, you you ruin any outside chance you had at making a Big 12 title game, and you go from like a week ago, I would have said that KU fans were, were showing up to this uh, Sunflower Showdown expecting to win the football game. With Jason Bean, Jason Bean had started to figure it out a little bit, uh, looked really good against Iowa State. So for him to go down um, against Texas Tech, it really has, I think, just affected everything when it comes to trying to be positive about KU uh, winning this game this weekend. So vibes are down. Uh, Obviously, it's been a great season. We'll take seven and three, but it is frustrating when you think about the fact that who knows what this Kansas team could be if if they avoided the injuries. But uh, speaking of injuries, Scott asked for me to provide an injury update. I wanted to wait as long as I could to get this over to him because 
not a whole lot has come out. Now, I will say this. I'm recording this as of Wednesday night. Tuesday, Lance Leipold had said that their plan was pretty much that, you know, they're preparing for Cole Ballard to be the starter. Uh, however, Andy Kotelnicki came out today and said that Jason Bean is uh, practicing and actually practiced quite a bit on Wednesday. So that was definitely positive. I think KU fans... Uh, we've, we've started to get our hopes up a little bit that we maybe could see Bean, but if you followed Kansas football at all this year, the injury saga, the injury communication, who's going to start at quarterback. It's been a question mark pretty much every single week to the point where Jalen Daniels was announced the starter opening night on the big screen. And then Jason Bean trotted out and took the first snap of the game. So I do not think we will truly know who's starting at quarterback until they start trotting out onto the field on Saturday. So uh, that's where the injuries are at. Uh, we will see. Hopefully we get better updates, but the staff, they don't, they don't give out much as you've seen with the Jalen Daniels uh, situation. So what are some keys for KU to still find a way to win? Obviously one of them is you got to be healthy, but I've I've kind of touched on that. The other thing is our defense going up against this K-State offense that has been phenomenal uh, and explosive in the run game. Like, our defense has to show up. There is It doesn't matter if Jalen Daniels comes back and plays at a high level. Uh, if we don't stop K-State, and by the way, that was a joke. Jalen Daniels is not playing this weekend. But uh, if you don't play good defense against this K-State offense, it could be a very – very long night. Uh, so I think those are the keys. Get healthy. Hopefully that means Bean is starting. And then have your defense show up. It's It's been improved. Uh, had a really impressive showing against Iowa State on the road. Uh, we kind of controlled that game the whole way, thanks to the defense. Had a pick six in that game. Um, and then Texas Tech, even though it was a loss, the defense is truly the only thing that kept us in that football game. It was tough to see them give up the the field goal late with under 45 seconds to go or whatever it was, but they definitely were the reason that we even had a shot to send that game to overtime. So the defense has definitely, I mean, just massively improved from last season. Guys like Kobe Bryant, uh, Melo Dotson, Austin Booker have been phenomenal. So, We'll see. I think that that'll be a huge key. Um, and that's, the, I think, the biggest worry. You know, one of the things Scott asked is what what's the thing that worries you the most about the KUK State matchup? And it's got to be the K-State offense, the K-State running game. It You've seen what they've done to teams, and it, it, it could be a problem. It could absolutely be a problem. Uh, who are some key players on each side of the ball? I'll start with an obvious one, Devin Neal. He's been phenomenal. I think he's one of the more electric running backs, not only in the conference, but in the entire country. He's been awesome. Uh, had the only touchdown of the week for us last week on a second and 21 uh, speed option. So uh, Devin Neal's great. And I think there is no scenario where KU wins on Saturday without Devin Neal having just an awesome, awesome football game. So I think he's a key uh, but also awesome Booker. I mentioned him when it came to the defense. He's a transfer from Minnesota who's been really, really good. Been a surprise, but he's been awesome. He's 
I think top three or so. I, I don't know the exact number, but uh, one of the top guys when it comes to sacks in the conference. So he's just been great. Looks like a pro at times. Uh, he's been been awesome. So again, if if Austin Booker's not putting pressure on on Will Howard and and he doesn't step up, I think KU could have could have issues. Kobe Bryant is the other guy that was great all year. Um, struggled a little bit against Texas Tech. So, so we'll see, but he hasn't really been targeted much, uh, the last few weeks because of how good he had been. Um, so, so we'll see. I, I think we definitely will need a big game out of him as well. So score predictions, this is very hard when you do not know who's going to play quarterback. I will say this, if Cole Ballard is the quarterback, I think this game gets ugly. I think K-State wins handily by double digits um i will say in that scenario k-state wins 38 17 um but if jason bean plays i will just say andy kotelnicki has shown that he can he can put together a hell of a game plan he's been phenomenal at kansas and like i said jason bean was starting to figure it out before he got hurt so if jason bean practices all week and shows up saturday and andy kotelnicki is is doing uh, Andy Kotelnicki things. I think this KU offense could hang around with K-State. So screw it. Just for fun, if Jason Bean plays, uh, I'll take the Hawks 38-35. So uh, that's it for me. Go check out Ain't No Seats podcast on Kansas City Sports Network. Um, Appreciate Scott for having me on. Rock Chuck. Welcome to another Wildcat Roundup. I am Jasmine Halliburton, host of Run It Back on the Kansas City Sports Network. And man, oh man, we just going to jump straight into it because I know y'all heard, I know y'all have seen, but K-State done snapped a 39-game losing streak against the Texas Longhorns last week. And man, did they do it in such an amazing fashion, sweeping the Longhorns. Talk about put them on the grill, and that's exactly what they did. Put the beat down on them in what we now call the morgue, where top-ranked teams go to be put in the freezer, you feel me? Because I'm telling you, and I'm telling you real, real good, K-State beating number three in the country, defending national championship, the Texas Longhorns, in straight sets. My God. And we ain't got, we like, we already know what Aaliyah Carter can do, but baby, this was personal. And she told me it was personal too. God, let me tell you how personal it was. We're talking 20 kills, one aces. That was her night. Winning offensive player of the year, or player of the week, excuse me, in the Big 12. I'm telling you, we've seen her do what she do, and we've seen her do it well. But something about that game was a little bit personal, and she said it was. I'm telling you, Texas was not ready. They weren't ready. They came up to Morgan Family Arena thinking everything was nice, thinking everything was sweet, thinking everything was all good. And tell me, and I'm going to tell you, 
they left thinking the complete opposite because they didn't expect to get their behinds whooped by like, but like that, but they did, and they left with an L. But of course, Leah Carter getting 20 kills from there, Anaya Clinton getting seven kills, one block, Izzy Shulsheski. My goodness, when people ask, like, what's her position? She's just going to say straight-up player, straight-up volleyball player. She is positionless. She's out here doing everything. She had six kills and ace and two blocks. And my goodness, girl's a baller. We all know this. She got bunnies. She got the hops. Everybody keep trying her when she blocking people at the net, and they would be acting surprised, but we don't know why. Knowing good and well she been like that from the start of the season. But I'm pretty sure we got teams on notice now. But I'm going to read a couple more of the stats for you as they prepare for Texas Tech this weekend. K-State 45 kills. Texas with 44. Texas with 11 errors to K-State's 11. K-State hitting percentage. Man, talk about a .351 against one of the, actually the best blocking team in the Big 12. Are you kidding me? Of course, Texas had a 2-4-6 hitting percentage. K-State with 43 assists to Texas 40. Five aces apiece and then five blocks apiece. Once again, this is the best blocking team in the Big 12, top in the country. And they only had five blocks. Man, that's, that's what that 351 hitting percentage will do to you. You feel me? And once again, we're talking about the Morgue, Morgan Family Arena, where ranked teams go to be put in the cooler. This is a single-season program record with five wins versus ranked opponents. Everyone, please, a round of applause for this team and the job that Jason Mansfield is doing. He's doing the damn thing over there, I tell you what. And as they are preparing for Texas Tech coming up this weekend, we also got to give a shout-out to the seniors, none other than Lauren Hinkle, Katie Fernholtz, Sydney Boulding, one of the best middle blockers in the Big 12, if not the entire country, and Mackenzie Morris being one of the best liberos in the Big 12. All right, talk about a brick wall in that back line. But as they prepare for Texas Tech coming up this weekend, Texas Tech is on a two-game winning streak. And right now, they are towards the bottom of the Big 12. I want to say they are, yeah, K-State is about two spots ahead of Texas Tech in the standings. They're going to be a two-game series with them. Can't take nobody lightly in this game. We know that. We understand that. We just got to keep it consistent, baby, especially after beating up on Texas like that. So good games be coming up, coming up soon with Texas Tech coming to the morgue this week on on Friday and on Saturday. But now we really, we really gotta get into the nitty-gritty, okay? Cause K-State women's basketball is back, baby. And guess who else is back? None other than pre like Princess 61, six foot six queen Aoka Lee coming back after 500 and 95 days of no competitive basketball she finally done put her shoes on the floor with their first game beating Presbyterian 69 to 35 where she had 14.7 rebounds, two assists, two steals, three blocks in 22 minutes. You know, no biggie, no big deal, just some light work putting away against Presbyterian, you feel me? And then of course, we got to move on to the most recent game that they had this weekend against Little Rock. Actually, that was actually their first road win in a long time. They went 11 and 0 from carrying over to last season, but now they're starting off this season all nice and fresh beating Little Rock 77 to 69. Once again, Light work, just pack their behinds up. But, of course, we can't sleep on them. Aoka Lee, 
Uh, she doing what she do best, bro. 32 points and 10 rebounds with just her 50th career double-double. Man, you better stop playing with her. Stop playing with her. Because now what we got next, we have none other than Iowa. Yes, Iowa. Caitlin Clark, Iowa. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. This game might be tough. But, but, if we didn't put it to them last year, I'd I'd be thinking to be like, you know what? If we if it is it is what it is. You know they a tough team. Yada yada. But I'm just saying, K State beat them 84 to 83 last year when they were number four. While they still had Caitlin Clark. I'm just saying, cause I'm what stop what's stopping us from doing it again? Not a damn thing. You know why? Because last year we didn't have Yoki. We didn't have her. We honestly we had. Hell of a game from Gabby Gregory and Serena Sundell getting 24 points apiece. And then Sarah Shamatsi coming in clutch with 18 points. Are you kidding me? She, we wouldn't, K-State would not have won that game without Sarah Shamatsi. I'll tell you this right now. Would not have done it without her. And I'm looking, and I was looking through, I was looking through Iowa, Iowa's roster, you know what I mean? Iowa's real, still, still damn good. I think they're ranked number four this year, or number three this year, rather. But as I was looking through the roster, obviously, Caitlin Clark, dog, just an absolute dog, talking about number one overall pick in the WNBA draft, just dog. She going to be that one. But outside of her, looking down that roster, there's not a single individual that can match up with Aoka Lee. Not a damn one. So there was another, there's a, someone on their roster, I want to say is 6'3", but I don't think she plays very much. But I mean... There's nobody, nobody that's going to match up against against Yoki. I really don't see it. That's going to be a tough thing for their head coach to do, and I get they're a really good team. It, it, can, it can honestly go anybody's way tomorrow night, but or at least on, on Thursday night. But I'm just saying, they, they can pull this off. They can pull this off. If Gabby, if Gabby going to do her thing and be the sniper that she is from behind the arc and get to the free throw line, I think it's going to be smooth. If Serena Sundell, she can get to the back using that sweet left hand of hers. I think I think she's going to do it. Get some double figures in. Of course, you get you get um, Jalen Glenn. Bro, all she got, if she, I know Caitlin Clark is going to get hers. Caitlin Clark is going to get hers. We know this. We understand this. But our best defender in Jalen Glenn, she got to do her best to lock her up. And I know, like I said, Caitlin Clark, she's going to get hers. But if you limit her the best you can, I, I'm telling you what. I have all the confidence in the world. Jalen Glenn, she, all she got to do is worry about defense. If the scoring can come from anywhere else, come from Briley, come from Gabby, come from Serena, literally everybody up and down the bench, and if she can just play defense, I'm telling you, bro, the confidence that I have in this team to be able to pull this off. And I get it. They maybe struggled a little bit offensively. You know, offensively is going to be a bit of a struggle to start the season. Coach Mitty has had to have three different offensive schemes the last three seasons. You know, you had the freshman with the focal point being Yoki. And then you move on to last year where now you got to develop them. And like they're sophomores, you got to develop them. And now they don't have Yoki to depend on. So now they got to create opportunities for themselves. And now you move on to this year while still getting Yoki the ball and still creating opportunities for them now that they're juniors. I'm talking about with Serena Sundell and the Glenn twins, right? So I get it. The offense may start a little slow, but if there's a time to get that mug jumping and get that mug going, it is going to be, it's going to be against Iowa. That, that, that'd be great. Being able to score 84 points against them last year was incredible. But we need someone to be that X factor 
like Gabby Gregory and Serena Sundell with 24 points last year. And of course, Sarah Shimatsi being that one. I think that our obvious X factor is going to be Yoki. It truly, truly is. All the confidence in the world because this is... This is it right here. This is this is when we're going to put the entire country on damn notice. You know why? Because this game is going to be at 7.30. 7.30 prime time on FS1. Come on now. This game was on ESPN Plus last year. No disrespect to ESPN Plus, but play it against the, the number four team at the time. They did not expect us to win. They sure as hell didn't, but now what they doing? They putting us on FS1 during prime time, you feel me? So that's all we got to do, and that's all I got to say. And everybody get ready because it's going to be one hell of a game. And thank and huge shout-out to the Bosco boys for letting me hop on here. And that's it for me. I'm Jasmine Halliburton. Peace. Hail to the purple. Hail to the white. Wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. Onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Fight, UK State Wildcats for Alma mater fights, glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. We face a wildcat for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat. Podcast Network.